This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. We are kicking off a series, um, a two-part series that uh, Pastor Chuck will be back next week for, and it's called Finding Our Voice or Finding Your Voice. Sometimes you'll even see it as Finding Carriage, because certainly Finding Our Voice uh, really helps us draw from that. And I told you as Chuck and I were approaching this, and he was trying to coach and counsel and and provide all of the content, um, it was very clear that um, I'm going through a lot of things in my life. So I was telling him these are are really important journeys and missions. and it got so crazy even in my own life that I, uh, my password at work, and this is dangerous to do with an online audience, um, I changed my password to surrender and then had other numbers and capitals so you can't copy it. But I ha- actually got to the point that it does take a, a, a bit of surrender in our lives, and that's how it every day starts with me unlocking my computer 10 times a day with, with the thought of surrender. So in finding your vo- voice... Um, the most important voice I think we can all recognize is Pastor Chuck's. Um, so with that, I just thought if we could all just give one shout out to Pastor Chuck with a great big thank you, Pastor Chuck, as he uh, is over there uh, sharing a lot of the things and the journey we've been on. I just thought we'd start by recognizing one of the voices we most appreciate in our journey here as uh, New Church Live. So with that, maybe we can all say thank you, Chuck. One, two. Thank you, Chuck. All right. That's perfect. That helps me feel a little bit better. Um, to unpack this journey of finding our voice, uh, we're going to relook at the story of David and Goliath. And I think most of us have seen this. I'll provide a little bit of context. You've heard this story. You've probably seen it depicted a lot of times. And oftentimes, it's really easily dismissed, perhaps, as a story of just this underdog who beats the giant. And, and we, we leave it there. And by the way, it's perfectly right in all those, those aspects. Um, we want to look at it a little bit differently. And we want to look at the voices and maybe even suggest that... Um, Perhaps David really wasn't the underdog of that story. Maybe it was Goliath, possibly. So we'll we'll see if we can unpack that a little bit later. Um, But the context here is there's two armies uh, about to go to battle, and they're both at the top of the mountain, and neither one wants to go into the valley and lose the high ground, so they're at kind of a stalemate. And so as common uh, for the era... They decide to each send one warrior forward, and and the one army, the Palestinians, decide to send their their largest fighter, trained in combat, large. He was considered a giant, as the story goes, um, and equipped with both experience and all of the modern-day weaponry. And, of course, the Israelites on the other side, are there's no one volunteering for that mission, and I kind of can empathize with that. And out of nowhere, a, a shepherd who wasn't even part of the army, he was there, sent by his father to check on the brothers who were part of the army, uh, goes, and we're going to pick up that story a little bit uh, later. But you'll, you'll hear a lot of voices. You'll hear the voice of Saul, the king, who's leading the army. You'll hear David's voice a little bit. You'll hear Goliath's voice, hopefully. And in that, I think there's lots of uh, pearls of wisdom in, in every one of them that we can maybe take forward as we try and uh, go on the mission. So when I was thinking about the visualization and the giants that I feel like I faced, whether it's as a little boy, a teenager, young adult, um, turned 50 this year, so uh, I found out that they don't go away and finding your voice kind of changes over time. So this is the vision of what my giants look like. So when I think about it, and they, they come running at you larger than life, and it can be very intimidating. So this is um, what I use to, to think and kind of shape forward. And we go to the next slide. The, um, I was going to have the Shakespearean actors come up and act these parts out, but um, just a couple quotes from um, the 
the Bible story, um, we're going to take a little bit from David. So at one point, um, after everybody backs away and says they're not going down into the valley, uh, one shepherd boy, and I think it's really important, and he, probably a young kid in many ways, steps forward, and he walks up to the king and goes, I'll, I'll, I'll go down. So the first voice you hear in the story is Saul, the king, um, saying, you are not able to go out against this uh, Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. And key in on, um, you're not able, you are only, those are the kind of words that I think you'll hear in the voices maybe and sometimes in our past. Here we go to the next slide. So David said to Saul, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And again, here, the, the words that kind of um, jump out at me is, this is the shepherd boy, David, saying, I've I fought adversity before. I've defended my flock before. I, I, I know you can trust me a little bit. I'm trusting myself. And so you hear his voice coming out a little bit. And then Saul dressed David in his uh, armor, in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And again, I think this is a really interesting part of the story we can pull back a little bit. So here is the king, and I, I think of myself, as if I walked up and a king said, first of all, a king's generally very powerful and very influential, and here he is giving you, you know, this armor that, let's face it, it's got to be the best armor the entire army had, and wanting to be, you know, facing that temptation to say, yep, that's me, I can take this on, I can take on his armor, and I can use it in what I'm about to do. And we'll find out a little bit later that that's not what uh, David ultimately decides to do. So he fastened on his sword and over the tunic, and he tried walking around because he was not used to them. And being not used to it, again, I'll come back to that a little bit. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. And so he took them off. Then he took off, took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones. And Five smooth stones I should have highlighted as well because we're going to come back to that a little bit uh, later when we go over to the prop section. Uh, but they are just all he needed to go forward. So he put them in his pouch of a shepherd bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. So interesting um, combination of voices. You hear the David walking through these voices of the, his own army, full of doubt, full of this, no one can survive this. You hear the voice of the king trying to influence him and tell him how to do it. And then you hear his own voice kind of trusting in himself a little bit. So if we go and switch now over to the voice of uh, Goliath, because I think there's some learnings here. A champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp his, site, his height was six cubits and a span. And I think they generally equate that to somewhere between seven to nine feet. I mean, he was large for the day by all means. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of, and a scale of armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekel. Shike, I'm not even saying that right. Shekel. And um, that generally might equate to about 100, 125 pounds of armor. So again, just uh, helps us visualize just what David was seeing and going forward with. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he said, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And again, just got to listen to that voice of Goliath, um, not only from his perspective, but from the perspective that maybe um, David had to, to muster up. So 
that's the story. Um, and if we unpack it a little bit, and this will hopefully hear the story in a little bit of a different voice, um, the first thing we see David doing is saying no to the king's armor. And, and to me, the king's armor represents maybe all those opportunities in our life where we're being offered somebody else's voice or asked to join somebody else's voice. What came clearest through to me is maybe as a teenager being asked to be popular or join the crowd to be popular. It can be maybe that voice in, in our lives. Um, and, and coming from a king or a, a place of power and, and envy, maybe, um, it can be quite tempting. Uh, but then David, as you all heard, learns to not listen to the, to the king's voice and not give in to how the armor feels on him. He knew it didn't feel right. He knew it wasn't going to fit him. He knew it was a disadvantage for him. Uh, and he kind of came to that by listening to his inner voice a little bit. He had to go back and trust on the experience of how he protected his flock, how he defeated um, you know, a bear and a lion with just the weapons he was given. And I think that was a real statement of faith as he kind of brought his voice forward. The other thing you see is he grabs for five stones, and, and there's interest uh, for me in grabbing those five stones. Each of them kind of represents maybe a, a wisdom or a piece of wisdom that he could draw from and he took forward. And in, in my version of the story, it's not the biggest rock that he grabbed. It's probably the smallest one because he had to penetrate all of that armor of Goliath at just the right point. And it didn't take a big rock dropped on his head. It was something very small, a very uh, maybe um, something that somebody else would overlook as a piece of wisdom that he brought forward. And I thought that was you know quite fascinating. And then ultimately... Um, you hear Goliath's voice. And I'll be honest, I, I'm guilty of using Goliath's voice a lot in, in many of my journeys and many of my struggles. Uh, I think oftentimes it's, it's the feeling that you need to be uh, the biggest, uh, need to be the loudest, need to have the best weapons to, to win the battle you're going into. And with that, your voice can maybe not take on the voice of truth, maybe not the voice that you really need to trust a little bit differently in, maybe more be in tune with his voice. And, and so I think Goliath sometimes is the voice that we attribute to being the stronger and being the victor, the probable victor here, when in fact, maybe at all times, that was not his strength, but actually that was ultimately what proves to be his demise, his, his failing, because he doesn't recognize that that voice is not you know, true, perhaps not coming from that inner place um, that he can trust more wisely. So I thought we kind of learned a little bit from both. And then I kind of stopped and I thought a little bit more about us and our story, a little bit taking out of this. And when I think about finding our voice, I had to pause and think first about what it's not. And a lot of this, I think, lends to things we've heard here when Pastor Chuck talks. Um, it's certainly not those head bullies. We've all think back about that, the conversation about head bullies in our head that are maybe taking us down a path that um, is never going to be productive. Um, for me, it's definitely not the voice of my worst critics. That is the voice that I know sometimes sounds the loudest, sometimes the most influential, and sometimes it wells up in me a voice that ultimately just is a disaster. It just doesn't work out. So I know it's not the voice of the head bullies, not the voice of our uh, worst critics. And oftentimes it's not even the voices all around us. I think of the media. Um, the media is um, telling us stories of 
fear, uncertainty, doubt. It's telling us stories of hopelessness sometimes. And it might be important to tune those stories out as well. So when I think of the voice, and I try and modernize the story of David and Goliath, I, I start there, of what it's not. And let's maybe push those things aside. Um, it's, as we said earlier, it, it feels like it's the voice of courage. It's maybe synonymous with courage. And um, for those that I'm, I'm starting to lose at this point, Michelle and the Kids Live program, um, she's out there talking to them about the cowardly lion. So you, you may do better to actually tune in out there. She may have the better story here. Um, but finding that courage uh, oftentimes is not an external influence. It's, it's maybe getting quiet, eliminating all those environmental factors and turning a little bit more towards that inner voice or that voice from behind that you'll hear Pastor Chuck talk about next week. Uh, the other place I came to, and hopefully you guys can maybe identify this, our voice isn't something that wasn't there and then all of a sudden is there. At least it isn't for me. And I think of how it changes over our journey, over your journey. Um, I think of um, maybe when we first develop our voice and I think of the voice you know, being in the schoolyard maybe wanting to be the voice of acceptance, uh, you know, the kid who was always picked last to be on any sports team. I wish I had voice then. I wish I had voice in the schoolyard as a child to, to recognize somebody who wasn't included and maybe start including them. And if you listen to my wife, she'll tell you I'm still stuck in that high school find my voice place. Um, that voice of wanting to be popular, wanting to be part of a crowd, wanting to do like they do because acceptance is the most important thing. And then ultimately discovering, and, and there's an argument of whether it came in my junior or senior year or it still isn't here, um, it's, it's that voice to say, maybe I don't need to have their voice. Maybe my voice is good enough. And, and having that voice sink in and, and take you to the next phase. Then ultimately, I think of the voice in your first job and how sometimes um, it's, it's establishing wanting to be present, but knowing you're in a new element and you're uncomfortable and maybe everybody's running to you with their armor and telling you how to do it and you needing to find your own path or my own path in this case. My voice changed when uh, my kids were growing up and I had uh, the pleasure of learning there's certain things as, a, as young children, you can yell at them. I can pick up that uh, loud Goliath voice and it works. But over time, um, and some could argue it didn't even work then with my kids, um, maybe it doesn't work as they grow up and they need to hear your voice change. And they're very influenced by, I, I would like to think, maybe how my voice is changing over time. And then um, pre pre presently, uh, changing my career, I think we all change a part of our career that um, needs you to establish your voice. And um, I'm struggling with that right now, and uh, it comes at an inflection point or a crossroads. And um, part of the broken uh, aspects of my life are trying to evaluate, how am I going to come out of this? What voice do I want to come out with? And how do I want to use that voice, not necessarily for the benefit of me anymore, but maybe the benefit of others, and, and struggling with that mightily. And I also thought there's also... Um, that voice that comes out as, as maybe careers end and, and people transition into the retirement and gr becoming grandparents. And there's a whole new voice that comes out there. And, and all of these voices are great. All of the broken parts and all the blessed parts, they all influence us and help us form that voice. And yes, I had notes. So, if, uh, so we um, belong to a community of voices. And I wanted to also pause. First, I, I thank Pastor... Chuck for his voice. Secondly, I, this is the part that I'd like to thank you for all of your voices. There are so many voices in here that have attracted me and my family to this community. 
Uh, your voices come through loud and clear. If you ever thought they're not heard or not appreciated, you couldn't be more wrong. Your voice, and I, I'm going to call out on Mary. Mary, when I hear her voice, when she goes down to Kensington to help um, some of the, the homeless, um, that voice speaks huge, huge volumes to me. It's inspirational. And so I wanted to start by thanking, or at least pause here, and thank each of you for your voice. And next, I'd like to ask Marcus to come up. Uh, Marcus uh, and several were invited by Allie to Tools for Life, and I had the um, random luck to sit next to Marcus. And the way this works is there's high school teenagers there, and they're all there for a camp week to learn how to use their tools, their skills, and, and, and enhance them so in the next phase of their life they can use them. And this one part, there's some mentors from the community, mostly adults, who are in their working life, uh, to come in and talk, and we think, or at least I thought naively walking in, it is for us to impart our wisdom to them. And sitting next to Marcus, I, I had the luxury to hear his story, a little bit of how he found his voice. Um, and what I was more mesmerized was, not only was every teenager in that room fixated on Marcus's story, but so was every adult. Um, every mentor, including me, was listening carefully. So I'll ask Marcus to come up and tell a little bit about his story, and then he's also agreed to go right into uh, one of the songs that's been important for him, and he'll explain a little bit about that. So with that, I'll let Marcus come up. Thanks. It's a little different talking than singing, I guess. <clears throat> when Bob asked me to, uh, to speak... To me, it was an easy, quick story of how I, uh, when I started singing and being 10 years old and watching Sister Act 2 and singing all the songs and my mom coming in the room crying, talking about you found your voice. But on the way here last week, last Sunday, on the way here, uh, God gave me a different kind of download, uh, a lot more along the lines of what Bob was saying. And uh, it sort of shifted my perspective from my story to really the daily practice of what it's become to find my voice and what that means. And like Bob said, Chuck had touched on it in, in the head bullies and how many voices seem to circle around and how many it seems to be. And uh, most of them seem to be in disagreement. So finding my voice, the daily practice of it has become finding which one of those voices is the most inherently me, which one sounds like me, which one's kind and, and patient and, uh, you know, when you hear the voice like, oh, you're terrible at this, you're never going to do this, you're a fraud. Uh, I would never say that to anyone. I don't, I don't remember saying that to anyone when they're down. I don't remember doing that. So my voice is usually pretty patient, usually says I'm doing pretty well. And uh, finding that and staying locked into that has become like finding and like tuning into a radio station. If any of you have satellite radio, you know there are hundreds of stations. And if any of you are like me, you only listen to one. Uh, it's got all the songs you like on it, pretty much, probably from the decade that you grew up listening to music in. And every song that comes on is just better than the next. And that's how it's become finding my voice. When, when I can tune into that station that, that is the most fun, that's, that's, that's the most me, that's the voice I hear. And that voice becomes impulses. And that voice becomes, do this, be here, go there, turn left. And the more I listen to that voice, the better my life feels. And last week, when I was driving here, I started thinking about watching a movie with someone who's seen the movie already, and how sometimes you'll look at them. Is this serious? And they look at you like, just watch, just watch. Some people tell you, but most people just go, just watch, just watch. So if that voice in my head 
Some people might call it, you know, your inner voice, your inner guidance, conscience, or even God. What if that voice already was, knew the end, and, and it was sort of watching from the end, and guiding me along as if to say, just watch, it's okay, just, just watch, you'll, you'll get there, just watch. So I'm looking from my perspective, like uphill, and, and God is sort of looking back at me from, from the end, looking backwards, living the story in reverse, and, and remembering every moment. <clears throat> so that's just a little bit of how I think sometimes. And uh, strangely enough, how God works, this song that I'm about to sing, my, my mother, my brother, and I wrote actually almost two years ago, and it describes a lot of what came to me last week. So uh, it's interesting how God works like that. So thank you. So as I thought more about this and trying to unpack, and I'm, I'm a visual learner. I only did well on those standardized tests where you were saying which one of these seven images isn't like the other six. That I was okay at. Words, not so good. Um, so, so imagery is really important to me. So I started to think a lot about the imagery again, and hopefully this doesn't get too silly because I may have taken this assignment just a little too far. But I talked to you earlier about you know, being offered the armor of a king and how tempting that might be um, and how quickly David was able to say, you know what, I don't need that armor. It, it just doesn't fit me. And trust in the experiences of simplicity in some ways, this, the experiences of, you know, taking, you know, that grew out of taking care of others, in this case, you know, his, his flock. And so he, he turned that down, and instead he reached down into the river and he, you know, it was the, the visual assistance part that, you know, picked up these five stones. And again, I, I think each of these five stones maybe represents some wisdom that, that you acquire, something that you take from your past, because oftentimes our voices. It's from our ancestors, right? This, this voice you hear comes from you know, our, our um, genetics in some ways. But it's also, like these rocks, it's shaped by the environment. And it's tumbled, and it's, maybe some of the rough edges come off. Maybe sometimes it breaks, and it becomes more uh, two rocks. But each of those rocks maybe represents, and it did hopefully for David, um, an opportunity to use parts of wisdom instead. Um, and again, I said earlier, like I, my part of that story, when I picture that, I see it's the smallest rock, not the largest, that might be the most important in the battle um, as he went forward. And then um, I'm not sure if all of you recognize what this is. Um, you might call it a megaphone. I, I actually, I bought, this is the first tool of marriage I bought for myself. Um, when I think of it, it's, this was like the armor I wanted to take on. And when I tried to find my voice, how oftentimes it's so easy to grab for this because I know how to win these battles. And to win the battles, you have to be the loudest in the room, the loudest in the argument, um, maybe the, the, the person who's heard above everybody else. Somebody's voice, it's not how loud, but maybe how much you can push everybody else's voice down. So this uh, tool of marriage, um, as many of you can get the punchline, does not work real well. <laughs> Um, it, it really doesn't work well. So what I found out, and I did in my discovery, is I found instead maybe what we need more is these noise-canceling headphones, right? If I would have put these on maybe a little more often, I assume, and I assume this would work well for, for my wife, the, um, that I may have been able to listen more to the message, to her message, and what's really was trying to be said, um, I would have tuned out all the head bullies, all the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. 
And maybe then, and only then, that voice from behind, that, that true voice, that, that voice that the shepherd learned to trust his own experience and his own wisdom, maybe that could have come through and I would have not struggled to find my voice as much. So, a little corny, I, I may have taken the assignment too, too serious, but these, these are, I think, are kind of the visualizations I came up with in, in how to relate that story to, to maybe perhaps our journey and our moving forward. And then the other thing that occurred is um, sometimes that voice, and I, I think about this, it doesn't come always from here in our mind. Maybe it's that voice that comes from our heart, comes from our soul. Um, when I, again, I've referenced Mary going down to Kensington, I, I hear Mary's voice so loud and clear, but it's not necessarily the words she tells us about her journey down to Kensington and helping some of the homeless people and, and, and sometimes just listening to them, sometimes connecting to them, sometimes it's just making eye contact. And it's that kind of voice that this community um, represents in spades. It's, it's all throughout this community and many, many others that's there. So... With that, uh, we have a video of, of another place where you hear the, the voice. And I would ask you, when you watch this video coming up, there's, there's many voices. It, it may sound like it's just the story of, of one boy, um, but if you listen carefully, we might all hear that there's several voices present. And I'll ask you to think about those voices as you, as you watch this. doesn't like being part of a team, making buckets for moments, or music. And who doesn't feel bad being excluded? I was lagging behind, and they were going ahead, and there was really no way for me to catch up with them. Ethan Ock made it work uh-huh. for... A while. Yeah. Wooden drumsticks were replaced by lighter aluminum and eventually Velcroed to his wrists. Okay. But spinal muscular atrophy just gets okay. worse. He said, I, I really hate to do this, but I have to quit band. That a one, two, was three years ago. Ready? Hey. Before this. The light bulb went on for the director of the Swanville High School Band. Here it is. When Gina Christofferson saw Ethan messing around with a smartphone app. My first day of digging through iTunes, I downloaded 75 different apps. We were just on a random hunting mode. I wanted to find something that would work. So I can do like... Then apps met an amplifier. And Ethan... One, two... Introduced his schoolmates to the iSchool Band. Exactly the same as his classmates, just a different mode. Boys like Ethan give up early their dreams of playing high school sports. Till along came a band director determined he wouldn't stop playing. So when marching season arrived... I could not understand how that would work. There was Ethan, iPad, amplifier, and a car battery. I don't think there could be a better music teacher. He's part of the team. You don't leave somebody behind. But I can do it. An attitude no band room oh my gosh. could contain. It's awesome. Which is why that smile belongs to a boy on his way to New York. I don't believe in I can't. Nor do 
the 30 donors covering travel expenses for the two nurses who will accompany Ethan on the bus trip. At Swanville High School, banding together is more than a figure of speech. You have those people that see barriers when they look at things and those that see doors. And those who know the meaning of team isn't only defined by the students who touch the ball. It's his success, and we get to celebrate it, too. Boyd Hooper, CARE 11 News, Swanville. Absolutely forgot to turn the mic back on. Uh, absolutely love that video um, for so many reasons, and it's not unlike the story, the Old Testament story. You can unpack that story on so many levels, um, and the voices that come through are certainly Ethan's voice, and, and the first voice you hear him feeling like he has to quit, feeling like those environmental factors saying, I just got to quit and give up, and ultimately, you know, being able to share his voice and the drum beat that pulls the entire band together um, is, is that how that voice I heard come through. Um, the teacher's voice was also another voice that was impactful. She doesn't believe in quitting. She doesn't believe in leaving anyone behind and, and how beautiful that voice was. Um, you see the voice of his peers, um, and that's the peers that are playing with him along, you know, making the music to make the entire group get together. And, and really intriguing. Again, sorry if I'm getting a little bit uh, silly on all this, but without their collective voice, you know, there, there's no cl- crowd voice. They're there to bring the crowd together. They're, they're a unifying force, and he was part of it. And then the other voice I came up with, and I think you probably have heard different voices, the voice of the donors that all love this story lo- enough to contribute so that he could go on and be an inspiration in New York City to maybe countless others. So even the voice of simple donation um, ends up being an important voice in that story. Uh, so I thought that was a really uh, great video and hopefully gives us all inspiration and maybe some pearls of wisdom and some of the five stones we can take out today. Um, and also, is uh, we refer back, you, you remember a few weeks back, uh, Pastor Chuck shared Father Greg Boyle's commencement uh, speech at Notre Dame. And if you haven't seen that or you want to go back a few weeks and watch the entire uh, service here, it'd be great. Um, I just wanted to extract one little part of that because I think Father Greg Boyle, in quoting uh, the Bible and doing some other things, refers to that concept of voice and how he, it's evolved in his life. And uh, I'll ask them to pull that little clip up. It's, it's very brief, but I think um, helpful. There will be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voices of those who sing you go from this place so that other voices get to be heard. And I love that. You go from a place of gladness. You go from a place where you hear voices who sing, not the voices of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And you join the voice, your voice to the voice of the voiceless. So very powerful words of closing, the commencement speech there, and a kind of a transition for all of us maybe to think of what can we take forward this week. So here were some of the takeaways uh, that I was thinking of. And one is maybe um, David is not an underdog at all, and maybe in our journeys and our 
um, battles against giants, maybe we're not, in fact, the underdog of our own story, perhaps. Um, Opportunities for all of us maybe not to grab onto the armor, uh, the armor of someone like a king who doesn't fit us and doesn't serve us in in how we need to evolve our stories. an opportunity this week maybe not to pick up that microphone, the megaphone so quickly, but instead rely a little bit more on the noise-canceling headphones so we can get to that place where we listen more carefully and use our voice a little bit more in tune with, with uh, the voice from behind, as you'll hear more about. Uh, we may learn if a teacher can help a boy to continue in the band and find his voice and continue his mission Um, maybe that too can help us a little bit. And then uh, Marcus shared with us how sometimes it might be time to just stop and watch and not feel like there's a a need for a voice at all until that that, that time that it comes to us. So with all of that, this is how I kind of unpacked the finding our voice. This has been extremely fun and enlightening for for me to do, and hopefully uh, the journey was somewhat enlightening and helpful that we as a community can help find our voice and and join our voices to others. Um, I'd like to close with a prayer, and it's the last thing uh, I ask your indulgence for. um, We're going to do two things a little differently. Uh, Ray and the band are actually going to come out to to you and and ask if you guys feel the need and the interest to to maybe come around uh, Ray and the band later on after the prayer. And with that, I'll ask uh, two of the voices in my life who have been extremely powerful uh, to come up on stage here and join me in a closing prayer. You guys want to come up? Um, This is the voice of, uh, you'll hear the voice of my daughter, um, who's on her own journey. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of the voices that I've heard throughout her entire life, including now as she goes into her senior year. And another voice in in my life that's been uh, fantastic. Uh, This is my father, who has... um, I've been able to both watch the evolution of voice in his life. He has been the patriarch's voice that's helped shape so much of of my life and another voice that I'm extremely proud of. I'm extremely proud of a lot of other voices. They just weren't courageous enough to join me on stage so no one makes any mistake there. Let's see. Tatiana, you're up first, right? Lord, Lord, thank you for the voices of those who join the voices of the unheard. For our friends at Ronald McDonald House, St. Francis Inn, the Interfaith Alliance House, Rock to the Future, and elsewhere. Help each of us to allow our voices to join the voices of the unheard. Lord, bless the voices of all generations, grandfathers, fathers, sons, grandmothers, mothers, and daughters. Bless those that fought for our freedom to speak and for those who spoke out for equality and faith. Help each of us this week to find common purpose. And Lord, thank you for all the voices in this community, all of the both broken and blessed experiences that help them find their voice. Please help us this week to filter out those false voices of fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and thereby turn to our inner voice, one based on the trust of your protection. And as David both ignored the voice of Goliath 
and turn down the king's armor to instead rely on his own experience shaped by your protection. Help us this week to rely on the angels of our better self. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.